Hey everyone, hope you're doing well out there. Hope you're staying safe and uh, having a chance to use this time, hopefully wisely if you can. Uh, but I know everyone's in a crunch out there. Some people losing jobs and uh, definitely some tough times. So hope everyone at least is doing well and staying positive as best as they can. And hopefully we'll be out of this soon. Um, have another episode in store today, number 102 on the Just Get Started podcast. So thanks again for joining on this. Um, bring out a guest by the name of Tony Banta who is the managing partner of Venture Greatly and had a really nice time with Tony. He's actually a self-taught software developer, but then he decided to kind of use that to start his career, but then ultimately shift and realizing, hey, there's a lot of opportunity out there to help um, kind of client businesses kind of realize, you know, through leadership and other ways, client retention, stuff like that, to streamline businesses that he learned through his experience and he's kind of going in that coaching realm to really share a lot of that uh, expertise and help guide people to the next level on their business. He's also a podcast host, the Client Whisperer podcast. And you can check out their website, clientwhisperer.show. So why don't we jump right into it and in my chat today with Tony Banta. Let's get it started. Tony, what's up, man? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining Hey, Brian, it's great to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Glad to connect with you. Hope all is well in your world. Everything is everything is good. You know, all the usual ups and downs, but uh, anyone who's ever started anything knows that. Yeah, it's always a, uh, you know, I think it's so funny. You remember the successes, but it's always like the, not the failures, but the learnings, I think, or what's the most mm. prevalent in your mind. Like those are the fun stories to share, actually. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a weird way to think about it. Like, it's fun to share the win. Like, oh, I hit the game-winning shot. But, man, totally. sometimes sharing the heart. I, I remember I'm a big golfer and, uh, you know, used to teach golf and stuff and used to play a yeah. decent amount of tournaments, not as many as I want. But I always remember my heartaches versus the actual wins. Maybe they're because there are probably more of those. But I don't know about you. Do you look at it that way? Is that your perspective on it or? I think it depends on, I think it depends on how I'm feeling at the time <laughs> that like, right. Sometimes when I'm, I'm like maybe a little bit lower, like, uh, I'm like, I've like taken some hits. It's been a rough week. I'm like looking at everything and I'm like, how is any of this ever going to work? Right. And then I sit back and then in times when maybe I'm a little bit healthier, I'm looking at things from the paradigm of how would you know, two year ago, me see this situation. And it's like, oh, I'm this farther ahead in this way. I'm this farther ahead in this way. <laughs> you know, here are all of these wins. So I think it all depends. I think it's, uh, I think for me, at least that's uh, been one of the biggest learning lessons of the last year is, is how to compare progress and like how to kind of get honest with myself around looking at the wins and the the learning lessons and all of those things. And like, by honest, I don't mean delusional, right? I don't mean like, ah, I'm the best in the world. And like, nor do I mean, oh, I suck in all these ways. Cause both of those two things are true, but there's also like a middle path of the, you know, yes, things are good. And yes, we want to do better. And then we just keep on moving. Why, um, uh, let, let me pry in there. Why a year ago? Did something happen? There, was there a, a, a chance where you said, I want to reflect on this? What, what was the occasion, if you will, that, that was about a year ago? That, um, a, a few things. Um, actually, uh, as we record this, my, uh, my dad actually passed away about a year ago. 
Oh, wow. Uh, and so that was a, that was a big kind of milestone. Um, and, and a lot of things were kind of changing right around the same time. We had a business partnership that, um, that f- failed right at the same time. Um, a, a partnership that we kind of decided to, you know, go our separate ways, but that was, uh, uh, that was a, uh, that was a hit, I would say. Um, and that was a, you know, that was a punch, uh, that I didn't see coming. And so there was just, there's just been a lot of learning lessons in the last year. Although I, I often see that of every year, if I go back in time, you know, just about every, uh, you know, not every year does, uh, uh, a, a close family member die, thank God. But, uh, the, you know, something happens. There's some kind of an evolution. There's some kind of an uphill battle or, uh, or a big plateau, a big win. You mentioned the business partnership. Um, I, I'm actually curious about that. The one, every, it's like a, it's like a, a marriage, right? It's like the first, you know, in the honeymoon phase, you get in, everything's good. What could you share that you learned from that experience of a, of a partnership, both good and bad? Anything that you would take away that you wouldn't do next time, or things that were really powerful that um, that that are still important? For sure. Well, and and you know, I have a unique kind of a take of this because my, um, my, uh, my wife and I work together. So we are, so we do have a marriage and we're also business partners. That was not the partnership that, uh, that didn't work last year. Um, we were merging with another, um, with an, with another business in our field, um, a kind of complementary business. Um, and, uh, uh, there was a, a, a friendship there and, and it seemed like there were a lot of, you know, synergies, um, to be um, had by kind of combining forces, but you're right, it is like a marriage, and I think a lot like that. The biggest learning lesson that I had is probably good standard dating and relationship advice, uh, in that the you know, one uh, don't rush into anything. The, you know, if I had to do that over again, I would have taken my time. I would have dated uh, uh, more. Um, and spent more time in the you know dating phase of the the you know, of the business partnership, working together in you know increasingly uh, you know uh, sort of graduated ways rather than um, jumping into something. And the second learning lesson that was a big one for me was to be really clear on what on what my motivation is. Um, as I looked back, it was one of those things for me where I. What and I'm being very honest. I don't know. Usually, it uh, takes you know ten or fifteen minutes to warm up in the episode before I'm this honest, Brian. But I got you. I got you going. We're we're <laughs> we're rock and rolling today. <laughs> you do. You're like uh, you're like Oprah here. Uh, you want me to cry on your couch? <laughs> um, for me, it was. Um, you, I had to look back at the situation and say. Um, and in fact, I started to do this as things weren't going well. And, you know, as I wanted to, you know, as things weren't going very well in the, you know, partnership, I had to look back at it and say, you know, what was my motivation in getting into it? And I had a, you know, mentor, I can't say enough about, you know, having trusted advisors, mentors, you know, people that you can go to. Um, the, um, a previous client is, uh, uh, the, the president of a local university and, um, they're, an uh, extremely uh, close mentor of uh, mine. I, I can't say, I can't express how incredibly grateful I am for uh, you know that relationship, but also relationships like that. And 
that we were sitting down having coffee and I was sharing the situation and she just kept drilling me on that, like, what, that, like, why did you want to do this? You know, what was the outcome? You know, she had a handful of questions that she just kept going through until I kind of peeled back the layers to get deep enough. And it what for me underneath it was a fear that I couldn't grow a company big enough on my own or, you know, between my wife and I, you know, like us and our, you know, team of, uh, you know, employees and things like that. I felt like I needed the, you know, somebody else, something else. I felt like there was something missing. And once I became clear on that, it was incredibly impactful because suddenly all of the stress around the situation started to fade away, right? You know, I was able to see the situation for what it was. I was able to set healthy boundaries. I was able to have some of those courageous conversations, uh, you know, with the, you know, with our partner at the time. And that, you know, at the end of it, it just wasn't, uh, uh, the, we could be good friends, but, but, you know, we just weren't going to be, we just weren't going to be partners. And, uh, so we had to say goodbye at that level, but it was, it was, it was a really interesting learning lesson. Did you have a uh, a contract in place, or was it more a handshake agreement? Or um, we did, yeah. We had all of the you know we had all of the legal agreements in place, and uh, uh, they had some you know they had some terms of the, like what we would do if things didn't work out. Um, the it was um, and for sure you know I would definitely advise the, you know, anybody listening to to uh, you know this is the this is the just start podcast. So of course, just start, right? Like just start making something, but especially when there are other people involved to have some kind of a legal protection. But um, we still, you know, I, if I had to do it over again, I would have taken even more time. I would have um, started smaller things working together and, you know, build our way up to just see the personalities um, and, you know, how some of those things meshed over time. Yeah, that's fair. Well, actually, um, you know, Tim Ferriss had on Gary Keller recently started Keller Williams. And yeah. he talks about, you know, having, you know, I, he doesn't call them agreements, he calls them disagreements. Basically, in the event that the worst case happens, we have to have this in place so that, you know, everyone's covered. Um, it's kind of like the philosophy around, you know, getting a prenup or not, you know, some people are like, why would you get a prenup? But actually, hey, we don't, we don't expect the marriage to not work out. But in the event it doesn't, why don't we protect ourselves, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause it is a business uh, relationship there. So. Yeah. Um, well, and once there are feelings involved, the, you know, yeah. that's the thing that I think is so valuable having those things on paper, because once there are feelings involved, you can justify just about anything. You know, you can talk yourself into something, especially when you, you can see this a lot in, you know, politics, not that I'm going to, not that I'm going to take a side publicly, not in 2020. Am I going to do that? But you see this in you know, politics all the time where people vilify the other side so that they can justify their own behavior. You mm -hmm. know, because once someone is the devil, that, you know, then you're justified to say whatever you want about them, to do whatever you want that, you know, to them. And uh, when things go badly, you know, be, it in a, be it in a marriage or in a partnership or even in a client um, you know, sort of arrangement. We see that often with clients. Uh, uh, not with our clients, but we coach a lot of our clients through, you know, tricky client situations. Um, and, and you see how people that, you know, like reach for those labels of people um, once there are feelings involved. Well, and, and, you know, to that point, it's like when you put it into place, um, what Gary mentioned that I thought was really nice was you, you put it in a place when you're actually in a good spot so that it's yeah. fair and everyone's in, in, instead of what most people do is, they try to put it in place when everyone's in a bad spot and that's horrific. <laughs> that never, it rarely ends well. 
rarely a hundred percent. Yeah. When did you get, uh, you obviously do a lot of stuff around client success, helping, helping businesses, you know, improve those areas. When did you get passionate about that? Cause I think you, don't you have a background like as a systems engineer and stuff like that? Like how, how did you get into client focus, um, as a, as a business that you want to do? Yeah, I, um, so as a systems engineer, so I, I started my career as a software developer. Um, and I, um, was super frustrated that we could write the best software in the world. And if the right leadership pieces within the organization, within the client organization weren't there, the software went nowhere. That, you know, like it was not a positive outcome. The people were upset about it. There were all kinds of problems. And so I was frustrated because the, I could do the best job, right? In writing the software. And it still wasn't going to lead to value at the end of the, you know, at the end of the road. And that was a, that was a frustrating, that was um, a, uh, a real formative realization for me pretty early on in my career. And so I started to get out from behind the computer. I, I was an introvert. I am an introvert. I'm, I'm much more comfortable sitting alone that, you know, in um, um, sitting in my office, you know, working on a project. Uh, but I saw that to get the kind of results that I knew were possible, I kind of had to come out from behind the screen. And I, and I dove into um, uh, leadership development and a bunch of things. Uh, I'm still designing systems, but less on the code and more on the, um, on the, the human side of the, you know, how those systems were actually going to interact with users. And so that was really the start. Uh, about three years ago, I was, was, uh, um, coming off of a stint of doing corporate, I did corporate consulting for about a decade. So they kind of, uh, fly out somewhere, be on site for a week, um, you know, fly back home, um, or in some cases drive around the, you know, East coast. And, uh, I was tired of all of the travel. I was tired of that kind of a lifestyle. Uh, and I saw all of the opportunity to take a lot of that expertise and to just serve people online. And so I was getting into this world of, of, uh, uh, this world of online marketing. I was studying. I was was you know uh, watching webinars, uh, having conversations with a bunch of uh, you know experts and uh, gurus. Uh, uh, Frank Kern. Um, I was was listening to you know Gary V. Uh, was uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, Sam Ovens. He's one of the uh, um, the uh, 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 webinar Facebook ad kind of guys. I was listening to him for a while, and I was seeing this world that had so much emphasis on marketing and on getting clients in. And then I saw all of these coaches and, you know, consultants and service providers, agency owners who, you know, they now knew how to get clients. They now knew how to market themselves, but they had no idea of how to lead clients to a result. And it just so happened to be exactly what I had spent about the decade before working on. So I saw all of this, uh, you know, waste and said, Hey, we have to, we have to find a better way. We have to, you know, we have to help them with the framework so, uh, so that they're not stuck. Uh, because what was happening was the, you know, this certainly isn't, uh, this certainly isn't everywhere, but the, some of the larger, uh, some of the larger client businesses are the ones that have a higher tolerance for clients not getting results, um, at least not in the long term. You know, getting results. They still want to grow. They still will sell, even if their clients are you know struggling, and uh, and that seems like a shame to me uh, in an industry where there's so much potential. 
what overlap do you see between a lot of these organizations you're working with? Like, is there one or, I don't expect a magic bullet answer here, but like, or a silver bullet, if you will, but like, what's the one or two things you're seeing more and more come up that's consistent, whether you're a big or large company, um, private or public or anything like that? Is there anything in specific you're seeing from a client focus standpoint that's missing? The thing that, that we see so often is that, especially small business owners, you know, and that's a lot of who we work with that is, uh, you know, as our clients, small business owners, um, you know, they might have a few employees, contractors, things like that, but a, but a solopreneur that, you know, has a certain level of expertise is helping clients. The biggest thing that we see is uh, they fail to systematize themselves out of the middle. And so burnout you know, they hit burnout before they hit um, the kind of revenue numbers where they can bring in uh, the, you know, more and more help, where they can bring in a, a, a COO or, you know, something like that. But of course, if you're doing under a half a million to a million dollars a year, you shouldn't be bringing in a COO, you know, like you don't have the revenue to bring in someone serious, um, you know, at least not someone with any kind of, you know, operations experience. And yet a lot of these people hit, you know, burnout. Working with humans is tough. So they hit, they hit burnout before they, you know, before they can continue to scale. Um, and it's the, the, you know, it's the systematizing themselves out of the middle that kind of gives them that freedom. That's usually the missing piece. And you mean by that is like almost not that they remove themselves to the business, but built, put systems in place where they don't always have to be the, the person like they don't have to always be on, 100%. if you will. Is that where you're getting at? A hundred percent. Yeah. We have a phrase, uh, serve your clients like an employee. Uh, so even if you're not hiring a, the, like another coach consultant to replace you, the idea that, that you know, we have a certain level of expertise and we're just going to get on with clients and serve them and have to, that, you know, have to show up like at our best every time. That's a really... That's really asking a lot. I would never ask that of an employee, right? Like I would never hire someone. I would never say, hey, Brian, you know, you're a smart guy. Why don't you come in here, stand here at my desk and serve my clients? Okay, see ya. <laughs> I, would never, <laughs> I would never in a million years say that, right? So, but yet, you know, so often we expect that of ourselves. Um, whereas if we think about, okay, what would it take for us to hand this off to someone else? Even if we're not going to spend that money, even if we're not going to do it, well, it would take us to have to define exactly what the, the client journey needs to look like. It would take, you know, we need to define the few core functions that we're going to do, you know, every week for clients. It would take, you know, there are a few other things. I won't go into, you know, all of the detail. But, uh, you know, once someone can define those, suddenly their work is a lot easier. And even if they're working hard, and a lot of people who are just starting a business have to work hard. Uh, you know, you know this, you're... Uh, you're working very hard right now, as you shared with me, uh, you know, before the episode started, that we can still work hard, but we don't have to work at that level where we have to make super high level emotional decisions all the time. That is really hard not to reach burnout pretty quickly. And then, so a lot of these smaller businesses you're working with, how do they realize results? Is it a dollar figure standpoint? Is it like new clients? Is it just retention of clients? Like, is there surveys or ratings? Like, how, how do they see, like, okay, I am improving this area 
um, I, I, I can get better. Is there, is there certain things you'd share? Because maybe folks that are listening are like, man, that might be a cool thing to, to implement or I should try. Yeah, hundred percent. The it's uh, a, a couple of things. The and it really depends on where the bottleneck of the business is. So if you're serving clients, that you're usually you usually run into one of about three problems. Either you just like you literally can't bring on any more clients, right? You don't have time. The thought of bringing on another client makes you say, "Uh, no." And so if you're in that mode, the, the you know, new business is the, if you're in sales, new business is the lifeblood of any business, right? So if you don't want more clients, then there's a problem there. Um, so sometimes it is just getting a business owner unstuck so that they can take on more clients. For more established, uh, you know, client businesses, it's all about retention and profit. So you know, some businesses are spending just a huge amount of revenue on on client fulfillment, on, you know, dealing with everything that it takes for a client. We see that a lot with, uh, with agencies, especially, um, if they do hire people, they're just spending a lot of money. It's one of the best ways that you can start a small business is to start a, you know, small local, a small local agency. There's a ton of opportunity there. And while there are a ton of people in that industry, um, I I say this as a little tip for, for some of your listeners, while there are a ton of people in that industry, there are so many bad agencies that if you come in with just a little bit more care, a little bit more focus, that you, know, you can perform better than you know, a lot of the competition. It's also relatively easy to hire for because, they're, because you, can hire, you can hire VAs, you can do all kinds of things, but it's also really easy to rack up those expenses and to have a lot of people working on things um, and to, to be you know, cutting into those profit margins. And so if you're not at 30, 40% profit margin in a client business, then there are some, uh, then there are some problems. You need to you need to dial in that efficiency, um, so that you can hit that retention. Of course, you said is uh, the other area in there, um, which is if you're not keeping clients, if you're not um, uh, the, the the we like to look at the the lifetime client value. You know how much um, is one client you know worth? How much does one client want to invest on average in the lifetime that you work with them? And if that's not significantly more than what they pay you when you first sell them on something, um, you know, like when you bring them in the door, one month's fee or you know, one quarter's fee or you, know, you bring them into one program. And if they're not spending more money as time goes on, it's really hard to systematically get new clients if you don't have that kind of retention. It makes for a very volatile business. Well, yeah, I'd imagine because you start running flat and you know, as you just mentioned, if your systems aren't in place, you're burnt out. And now it's like, what the heck am I doing? I don't see the revenue. You're, you know, it's just a, you're in the hamster wheel of, uh, of hell. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah. That's about how it feels. If yes, so my clients. Yeah. Uh, that's a good visual, a hamster wheel of hell. There you go. Um, <laughs> Some flames on the bottom. <laughs> there you go. Um, what's the, isn't there a meme out there where it's like the, is it, is it the dog with like the, the coffee cup with all the fire and he's like, I'm okay. <laughs> the fire's around him. Something, I can't remember what it is. Some sort of animal. I know what you, you're talking you know about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or I'm, I'm fine. I have to find I'm, that for the show notes. I'm fine. I think I'm is fine. what he says. Yeah, I'm yeah. fine. Um, I, I want to chat a little bit about, um, and, and layer in as you go along, if there's anything I'm missing from a client standpoint, you want to share, but um, I want to talk about, you mentioned earlier about working with uh, your spouse, your wife. Um, yeah. How did, how did that start out? Did, did she come from a similar world? Was this something you guys just had a conversation 
before you're married, after you're married? How, how did, talk me through the genesis of that. I was, uh, I was hitting on the secretary, Brian. That's how it started. I was, no, I'm only kidding. Um, we, uh, we started working together actually after we started dating, but before we were even engaged, we started working together. Um, um, I was looking to, to, um, hire in some additional help. We need some, uh, some kind of project management help. Um, as we were growing, this is, this is back in 2016. And, uh, at that time, my wife and I had, had been dating for maybe six months or so, somewhere in that range. We both came from family business backgrounds. So she was actually working her other job at the time when she was working with her family owned a local, uh, flower, um, and, uh, flower gift and furniture shop. Um, so they did flowers and then they had kind of gifts and uh, home decor furniture, some like light furniture, things like that. Beautiful shop. Um, and her parents were getting, a, her parents were getting a little bit older. They wanted to retire soon and she didn't really want to work with them forever. And so she said, well, I can, you know, like I can work with you for a day or two a week and that, you know, give you some help. Um, and so we started that and, uh, it was fascinating. It was a great way because we went into it with a lot of communication, it was a great way for us, for us to learn a lot more about each other um, and to kind of see. And we were both dating for marriage. You know, that was also part of our conversation. Even though we weren't engaged, we both, the, you know, one to family. Uh, we were both in our mid-30s. You know, we didn't want to wait forever. And uh, so we, um, so that was a great way to, it was a, uh, like a lightning round of, you know, getting to know each other uh, through working together. Uh, we have super compatible personalities, um, really complimentary. And uh, it's not to say it always has been easy. I'm happy to circle back around to some of the tougher parts uh, for the listeners. As we know, we're here on, uh, we're on Brian Oprah's couch. Uh, but the, uh, it, was, um, it was really helpful. And it was fun for her for the most part. Um, I think uh, we'll let her, I don't want to speak for her too much, but uh, she seemed to enjoy it um, as a nice contrast from some of the, the things that she had been used to. And we both have super similar values in terms of, of the kind of quality of you know, work that we want to put out there. And so then after we got engaged, it was kind of, uh, that was right around the same time that her parents were, were retiring and they sold the, the flower shop. She had no interest in uh, buying it or taking it over. And, and so they ended up selling their shop and uh, we started working together full time. The year that she came on full time, we doubled uh, our run rate in a matter of months, um, uh, uh, which I think is uh, the ultimate sign that it was a really good, that it was a really good thing. Did you, one, what role does she play in the organization? Like, is there a certain, you deal with one part of it, she deals with another, or do you kind of mesh roles? So uh, roughly speaking, I'm the, the CEO, she's the COO. She takes care of, of most of the operations. We work together on, on uh, designing a, a lot of the operations now. Uh, designing what we need specific things to be. So that's sort of the area, that's the overlap of the Venn diagram, if you will. But um, I'm more on the visionary, uh, uh, long-term vision, um, identifying some of the bigger deals, some of the next areas where we're going to go. Um, she's taking care of a lot of the day-to-day -day operations um, that we now have a few employees, a few independent contractors. Uh, we have some some um, 
uh, we have some partner offers as well, where where we own a part of the um, we own a part of the company as a subsidiary, but we have some we have some partners on a specific offer, um, and so she is doing all of the the kind of day to day check ins with those team members, um, and then that frees me up to be able to do things like this, and uh, you know talk to people, get out there. Uh, do some of the, you know, do some of the marketing. I take care of our, uh, I take care of our podcast, things like that. Um, and the split, the split works pretty well. Yeah. We'll get into that in a second. I want to talk about your podcast. Um, how, how do you disconnect though? Or is business always on? That's, that's one of my concerns. And maybe you tell Brian, don't worry about me. Not a concern, but like, that's my concern is like, man, you guys are doing this, you're invested in the business. It's a small business. So it's not like you have 500 employees that, Hey, I can right. go off for a week. Like, so how do you, how do you, you disconnect whether it's during the week, but also on the weekends as well? Do you take vacations? And what if you do, if you do that, like, how does that work? Yeah, it, it's a valid concern. Um, it's an interesting that, you know, that is, is probably one of the areas that we've struggled with the most. We don't, the some of where our value system is and where we've kind of landed on things is that we don't look for work life separation we look more for work life integration so some of the benefit of the fact that we get to work together is that we can go on vacation just about any time we want and take a couple of weeks last summer we, we were uh we uh are on the east coast normally but we were on uh we went to to california for about 3 weeks and we stayed with, with family for part of the time. We were at a conference for part of the time. We were at a resort in San Diego for a little over a week. And we still worked while we were there. Not all the time. We had some days where, the, you know, for the most part, we didn't do any work. Uh, but we had some days where, you know, in the hotel suite, we were, you know, we were taking conference calls and, you know, doing things. And we got to have, you know, like we got to sleep in a little bit and, you know, have room service. And then we got to get up and, you know, take some calls. And that's... For us, that's a really nice blend. It can get excessive, though. You know, it can get there. Sometimes when we're you know going to bed and we're watching a show before we you know before we go to bed, and uh, you know something will come on the screen and I'll think of something and I'll say, oh, the th you know, did we remember to do the you know whatever whatever? And if that happens too much, then usually my wife will say like, hey, why don't we just write that down and not talk about it at nine o'clock? Uh, you know, while we're relaxing at home, but the majority of the time, it ends up working really well because it kind of gives us that freedom where if we had regular jobs, we wouldn't have. We would have to take a week's vacation and you know just be on vacation. Um, whereas now we kind of have the best of you know both worlds. Right now, in fact, as we record this, my um, my uh, mother-in-law is in town. She's staying with us for the week, which is great. And so my wife is able to. She's working about like half days, third days this week, so that she can hang out with her mom. And the, you know, I'm doing a little bit more. Um, but it, it's fun. It's a good, it's a good mix that kind of gives us some of that freedom that we want. Yeah, that's great. Seems like you guys have a good relationship. Seems like you get along, which is always a benefit. <laughs> You're not For the most part. That would be, that would be challenging. Um, I'm sure, uh, that would sour very quickly. So good, good, uh, yeah. good thing you guys button that up. And it seems like, you know, the big part that I heard very early on was that there's a lot of communication that you're, you're always talking through things, you're making sure you're on the same page. You know, no one's kind of just going out kind of as a, you know, Jack Bauer rogue operative here, kind of doing their own thing, right? It's, you guys are 100%. actually together. 
Yeah, 100%. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that served us is if we didn't have that constant communication, uh, that would, it would be that, you know, like the little problems would fester, right? Like we wouldn't be able to bring them up when it's still light and it's just something that's, you know, a little bit annoying one of us. Uh, it would, you know, wait until it was a big thing and there was resentment and all of those other negative things. So the communication definitely works in our favor. Do you have anything that you guys do and, and, if this is getting too personal, let me know. But like, do you have like, if, if you want to talk about something, is it a, hey, can we sit down and talk about this? Or do you guys have set time where it's like, okay, this is where we have our conversations away from work? Is there certain um, uh, tricks or tools? I don't know the best term, but actually you've put in maybe, maybe it's systems you've put into play for your marriage that have helped you kind of structure. For sure. I think one of them that, that we've learned over time is that there are two meetings that we have, the, the particulars of which don't really matter, but there are two kind of, of, of set times that, that we come together every week that we treat as sacred. And so you know, even if something's happening, even if we're traveling, even if the, you know, we're traveling in you know, different places and we're not together, we make sure to, that, you know, even if we have to reschedule it, right? Even if it can't be the same time every week, but, but we make sure to come together for those set meetings. And that we pre, the, you know, just like any good system, we have the, you know, we have the agenda pre-identified so that if it is a really busy week, we only have to take 15, 20 minutes. But we know that as long as we hit those key points with each other, those key touch points, then we're in good shape for the rest of the week. When we don't hit those, the likelihood that, that um, things might start to go wrong, anxieties might start to get a little bit high, that you know, things might start to happen is, is huge. Um, so those check-ins are really vital. I think the other piece is we've just kind of learned by you know, trial and error. Um, for, for me, I like to do a lot of my thinking and my writing in the morning. And so that was something that I had to ask for. Like I had to say, hey, if we have like sensitive things, like if we have uh, you know, something goes wrong the, you know, as we record this, the economy has just been a yo-yo, you know, over the last week between the uh, coronavirus and everything else. And uh, my wife takes care of all of our, you know, bookkeeping and our finances. And so like, as a, for instance, if our, you know, like if our 401ks, uh, you know, like if they took a, you know, nosedive, or in our case, we've, uh, our retirement plans uh, just, just have to be IRAs. But uh, like if they took a, you know, nosedive, I don't want to know about it in the morning. Like, I don't want to know about it before work. Like, we can talk about that in the afternoon, that, you know, that's completely fine. But if I'm thinking about that in the morning, then that's going to color the, you know, all of my creative energy, all of the things that I want to do, um, you know, through the rest of the day. So it's just been a communication like that. And similarly, um, she hates rushing. So, you know, she hates last minute emergencies. And so I have to, you know, so like, I have to kind of pare that back. I have to be super mindful like sometimes there are emergencies in you know business, but I'm often mindful that I want there to be as few man-made emergencies for her as we can, you know, as we can have them. Um, and so it's just having those, like, like learning those things over time, having those conversations, and then we just start to build, you know, some of the, the, the scaffolding that kind of works for us in our life. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's, that's really good. I, and I think it's important that you guys have gone through those exercises and figured that out and, um, and kudos to you for that. Cause that's obviously going to help you from a long lasting business and, and hopefully marriage standpoint as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We um, hope so. 
Well, I want to talk for a few minutes about podcasting um, since we're on a podcast. What, why did you decide yeah. to start a podcast? What was the uh, intent behind that? Well, uh, really smart people say just start. So the, you know, started. I had to, yeah, yeah, just get started. You know, that's what really smart people say. Um, I love the medium of podcasting. I actually had a podcast uh, years ago um, as a kind of limited release kind of a thing. Um, um, I had a, uh, um, a, uh, podcast, I had a friend, um, and we kind of made a, a podcast together, uh, talking about being creative, creative thinking. She was an artist and I, uh, sort of, uh, came from more of the science background. And so we had a fun time, um, just kind of playing with thoughts. So I loved the medium, um, for a long time. Uh, but we had to, to kind of wait in our business until we could carve out enough time so that we could, so that we could take it seriously. I didn't want to, you know, just record an episode here or there. We wanted to be consistent and, you know, create content every week. Um, and for us, it was really a matter of that, you know, our barriers to entry to be a client, they're not like, like they're not huge, but the, our least expensive, um, service that we have starts at around $3,000. And there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of client business out there that are just starting where that's not in their price range right now. I mean, like, like maybe it is if they have a really high, you know, pain point. Um, but if they just want some, you know, tips and tricks, if they want to be set on the right path, if they need a little bit of help so they can keep growing, um, so they can be a long-term, you know, client for someone like us, we wanted to be able to serve that community, um, with, you know, helpful and impactful tools, tips, tricks, um, and so the podcast has been great for that. We've been able to, you know, we've been able to kind of go deep on on some topics. We've been able to to you know share some of the tools, some of the things that we use every now and then. Uh, but we even do a, a series on Wednesdays uh, that we call "What to Say Wednesday," where um, we answer a question like, "What do you say if a client says blank?" So, you, what do you say to a client if a client says, "Oh, this uh, you know this process is so hard." Uh, or if a client says, I want a refund or you know, all of these things. We, so we break that down um, so that we can hopefully you know, help people you know, right where it matters, right where they're running into you know, those issues um, and kind of serve the community that way. Well, and it's a different content play too, right? Instead of you can write articles, but this is a different opportunity, obviously, for you to show your voice, share a little bit more interactive type you know, approach to your business and what you're about. Cause sometimes things get lost in translation with an article, you know, a hundred percent. And from a, you know, from a marketing, uh, from like a marketing SEO standpoint, when we have the, we have the podcast, we save those as a you know, video. So we also have a piece of, you know, video content. We get the transcription that, you know, we write the show notes in like an article in like an article form. Um, and so from that standpoint, it's a phenomenal medium because, you know, for every episode we do, we really have the, you know, the equivalent of like three or four different, uh, you know, different pieces of content from an SEO standpoint. Um, who's the major audience you're going after? Is it, would it be those small business owners then? Is there anyone else that you think would be, um, like probably vital that they, they should listen to yours? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, it is a lot of those small business owners, solopreneurs, um, but the, you know, more broadly speaking, anyone who works with clients um, is who we're you know, talking to. Like if you have clients, if you're serving clients, if you get on the phone with people, uh, if you, you know, we've even had some clients that, that are um, some clients of ours that we've worked with like uh, medical firms because a patient is just a client 
with uh, you know HIPAA protection. Um, so it really is, uh, you know, it is the same kind of, you know, it is the same kind of steps. It's the same kind of uh, system. You know, everybody wants to be treated with respect. Everybody wants to have their problems, you know, clearly diagnosed and be led to the solution. And uh, so, th- so those are some of the things that we talk about all the time. What's uh, what are you guys excited about? Maybe over the next six months, a year for the business. Anything you'd share that that's kind of cool you're working on? That's kind of in the uh, infancy stage, if you will. Yeah, for sure. We um, we are actually uh, planning um, a, a a lower priced uh, kind of membership group um, that I'm I'm really excited about. Um, we're planning a lower cost kind of membership. Um, it's going to be this is. <laughs> This is actually the first time that it's ever been announced, Brian. So once again, you got <laughs> so once again you got me to share the things that I usually never share. But that's good. Uh, my mom's the only one that listens to this, so that's fine. <laughs> well, uh, 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 Mrs. <laughs> Brian, um, <laughs> Mrs. Brian's mom, um, the we are uh, uh, we have a new membership. Uh, it's going to be called Legendary Leaders. And we are specifically helping client leaders, you know, people who lead client businesses, um, with the essentials of you know this is how you have a call with a client. Here are the ways that you you know break it down. Here are the ways that you overcome client objections. And so we're going to have some weekly um, some you know weekly Q and As for them. We're hopefully going to be able to really uh, kind of make a difference. It's an extension of the podcast. It's kind of phase two of the podcast. Um, the, you know, for one, we wanted to serve the you know broader community, and then two, be able to help um, the you know a, a smaller membership community in a more you know in depth way on group calls to just serve their clients in a way where their clients are getting better results. They're able to to see that difference. They're not afraid of their clients being difficult or you know running into that client resistance that we talk about so often. Uh, and so I'm really excited about what that's going to do. Uh, we're going to be able to help people in a, a scale that that we haven't had before. We've engineered for you know plenty of uh, clients, but uh, that we haven't had before um, inside of our own offer. We usually work with clients pretty in depth, pretty one on one. So it's an exciting next phase of uh, uh, of the business. It'll be excited to see where it goes. Yeah, that's great. And is it just going to be like they would sign in through your website? Is it like an app you're building? What's kind of the the uh, how do you how do you get that you know kind of that community built? Yeah, so it's going to be a, a combination of two things. We're going to have um, a uh, uh, we have a client uh, we have a client portal for them that'll have you know some you know training and some content and and uh, some of those things, um, and then we'll have uh, a Facebook group. Um, we usually Facebook is a really great way for you know networking and things like that. Um, even if somebody doesn't use it personally all the time, it's a great way for uh, uh, communities like that to be built um, and to kind of uh, borrow Facebook's great, uh, you know, group functionality um, in that kind of private uh, group. Um, so we'll have that component. And then every week we'll get on group Zoom um, call. Zoom is a, uh, for any of your listeners who don't know, um, or in case Brian's mom doesn't know, um, Zoom is a uh, a great screen sharing platform. Um, and so we'll be running some you know, group Zooms for uh, Q&As um, each week. So and where can everyone find you online? Where's the best way to connect? The best way is uh, probably at the podcast, uh, clientwhisperer.show. 
And what, and what about your business website? Uh, that is um, venturegreatly.com. Okay. Or clientsuccess.systems, either one. Um, so I always like to end on this because, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I take a lot of notes and, you know, kind of have some, you know, always good takeaways. So obviously you've shared a lot of great insight here, especially around client interactions and stuff, but is there like a piece of advice you like to share a lot? Maybe it's a quote you live by. Maybe it's something you learn from, um, you know, a mentor or someone else that uh, could be a lasting impression for someone listening here. Maybe they can take right along, you know, tomorrow and start implementing it in their business. Anything you'd share to end on? hundred percent. Such a great, such a great question. And one of my favorite quotes is by uh, the, uh, the late, great uh, Peter Drucker, um, who's kind of the, uh, the grandfather of uh, uh, process improvement uh, consulting um, in the United States. Well worth it to you know, look him up for anybody listening, Peter Drucker. Um, he's written a ton of books as well. Actually, I have some of them on the, on the bookshelf. It's out of uh, frame on our camera, but on the bookshelf right over there. Uh, and he said, there's nothing so useless as doing efficiently what shouldn't be done at all. And I love that quote because as a systems engineer, I'm always looking at how do we make things more efficient? You know, how do we wring every little that, you know, like every little bit of efficiency out of something? But that's the, really the second step. The first step is always effectiveness. The first step is always how do we do something that works? How do we make a difference? How do we create value? And once we know that it's effective, then we can make it efficient. If we're not sure that the thing that we're doing is really working yet, then spending a lot of time and energy to make it efficient you know, may very well just be the most useless thing we could do uh, if we find that it's not effective or that we shouldn't really be doing that thing at all. And so that's, uh, uh, especially when it comes to you know, business, effectiveness always has to come before efficiency. That's a great point. I, uh, especially I have a lot of call, calls from a sales standpoint and it's, you know, when they try to, they talk about process a lot, you know, process, mm. I want to change the problem. I'm like, well, do you need those 15 steps? You know, you know, can you, how do we, how do we look at retooling or maybe get rid of it all together? Like, why are you even doing yeah. it that way? Just because that was the old way it was done. Um, you know, or the last person that was in your role did it like that. So I think that's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great quote. Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. Thanks, Tony. This is fun, man. I'm. Uh, I appreciate you kind of sharing some of your journey and some of the, you know, kind of pulling behind the, the Wizard of Oz, kind of pull behind the curtain, if you will, on some of the things, especially with the the personal life and spouse. So, um, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Hundred percent, Brian. It's been an honor. It's good to see you. Well, thanks again for Tony for being on the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. And I want to actually pull a little deeper on that last quote that he shared, you know, from Peter Drucker about one of the most useless things is doing something efficiently that shouldn't be done at all. I probably failed to go as deep as I could have um, from what I was thinking about on the episode. But, you know, after thinking about it a little bit more, and even that example I gave about, you know, some of the different you know, clients that I get a chance to work with on a daily basis, um, but even just kind of a bigger picture, you know, what is interesting is from an entrepreneur standpoint, at least, and I'm seeing this now as I try to uncover this business idea and start to kind of, you know, paint it a little bit more so it comes into light, is start realizing like, is, is there a problem to be solved? Is it something I should be doing at all? 
and really getting almost the taking the arrogance out of it because I think sometimes we all do this we have a great idea we have something we're looking at that we want to do and we're so passionate about it sometimes you have to take off the you know the rose you know colored glasses as they say and you really have to look at it from a different perspective um that's what I'm trying to do, and it's something I was just thinking about. I wonder, you know, maybe you folks, anyone listening in, sharing, you know, share back to me as well if you've gone through this, is being able to, you know, figure out one is is an idea even worth going. Is there a real problem or need? Okay, if there is, am I solving it the best way? And and keep beating yourself up in in the best way you can. Um, be, keep beating yourself up over it and don't say, all right, I got it. How do I even get better and better and better and figure out, yeah, is this even something I should be doing, right? Just because I'm more efficient with it or I'm making someone a little more efficient, is that a big enough problem? I, I think, you know, I learned this a lot from teaching golf is you start solving symptoms and not solving the actual problem. People don't really pay to you know, solve the symptoms. They want to solve the big problem. Um, so if you can do that, if that's, you know, the foundation of whatever your business or idea is, then you've got something. But, you know, it kind of goes back. This is a, That's a long way of saying over the last couple minutes of really looking at, is this a symptom that you're solving or are you solving the full problem and getting to the core of it? And I think if you do that, then absolutely you can keep making it more efficient so it's effective and kind of can move down that path. But if you're just solving something, yeah, it seems cool, seems like it could need, maybe you need to do more market research, seek out more individuals, talk to them, you know, maybe do some trial runs of things before you actually go down that path. So I got to thinking as I was listening back through this episode with Tony, you know, that's at least what's in my head today as I kind of look through this business idea and try to figure out like, is this something I should be doing at all? I really think it is. And I think there's a, a problem to solve, but should it be done at all? Is it going to be profitable? Is there a market for it? You know, I have to continue to look at those things before I make kind of that final answer. Um, and it's something maybe you guys should take a look at as well um, in your endeavors. So just a little extra piece I wanted to add on the end of the episode, something I was thinking about, uh, maybe it brings some curiosity to everyone listening as well. As always, I look forward to connect with you guys online further. If you'd like, my website, brianondraco.com, as well as Instagram or Twitter, at brianondraco. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon.